much says it all, doesn't it? What can we do? We'll stand, heart abandoned. Everything we have, Lord, is yours. That's the truth of it. That's what he desires, requires, and it's certainly what the Lord calls pastors to do, to model. If you would turn with me, please, in God's word to 1 Timothy chapter 4. We'll spend a few minutes looking at a paragraph, a passage which is directed by the Apostle Paul to Timothy, who was then the pastor at Ephesus. And Timothy was a young guy. And we'll read that in this passage. And the word that is used to describe his youth is a word that is used in the ancient world for somebody who is under the age of 40. This word was used to describe anybody until he got to the age of 40. So Timothy's in his 30s, probably. But that's considered young in the ancient world. It's all relative, isn't it? I think young, 40s young. Mm. Do you think 40s young? Do you think 40s young, Charlie? You think 50s young? Well, you've got a lot of response to that. <clears throat> so these are the words that Paul writes to Timothy, a pastor at Ephesus, a significant affluent church uh, with very clear instructions. And Paul's instructions to Timothy uh, is who it's addressed to, but it's also through Timothy, not only to church leaders, pastors, elders, but it's also to God's people. This is God's word. Let's hear it. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11. Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in loving, or in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift which was given you through a prophetic message when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and your teaching closely. Persevere in them. Because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. It's God's word. God's word to us. Especially God's word to Charlie Harrison. There are many passages in scripture that we could have gone to this morning. But I want you to note verse 16. Watch your life and teaching carefully, closely. Life, teaching. Watch carefully. We're going to pray. Heavenly Father, it's always a privilege and we're thankful for it to be able to gather together to sing together to give to pray to read your word and to listen to it taught or explained to us thank you lord for these blessings thank you again for charlie and elena for the girls thank you for calling them thank you lord for calling us out of darkness into light into the kingdom of jesus we pray that you might be pleased now to speak to us through your word. May the words, Lord, that come out of my mouth 
May you take them and use them to achieve your purposes, to shape us, shape me, shape Charlie, to be the people that you require and desire us to be. Lord, we can't do this in our own strength and therefore we ask it now of you in the name of Jesus. And everybody said... Like I said, there are many passages in Scripture we could have gone to to look about this. Matthew, uh, John chapter 21 would be one where Jesus is talking to Peter. It's one of my favourite texts for this issue. Where Jesus instructs Peter very clearly to tend my sheep, shepherd the flock, guard them, feed them, lead them. The pastor's responsibility with God's people, God's people. Ephesians chapter 4 talks about the work of the pastor, the apostle that God gave gifts to the church, apostles and prophets and evangelists, pastors and teachers. Why? To equip the saints for the work of ministry. That the saints might do the ministry. Their pastor's role is to equip, to teach, to train and to assist, to encourage and exhort. Acts chapter 6 verse 4 talks about the apostles. Remember with that dispute between the Hebrew speaking widows and the Greek speaking widows and the apostles came to the conclusion that they didn't need to get involved in these uh, ministry things, that others could be doing that, but they were going to devote themselves to the ministry of, of the prayer and to the ministry of the word. Pastors' responsibilities to be praying and the word. And clearly in this passage, 1 Timothy chapter 4, in fact, that paragraph, the apostle Paul targets down... For Timothy, watch your life and your doctrine closely, your teaching closely. They're pretty much the two points that I want to make with you this morning. If I summarise the paragraph, it would be like this. A faithful pastor is to be esteemed because it says in verse 12, don't let anyone look down on you because you were young. Stop that happening. And Paul tells him how to do that. But it's interesting that in Ephesus... Timothy was a young pastor and there would have been elders in Ephesus who would have been older than him and the Apostle Paul didn't appoint any of them to be the pastor, he appointed Timothy. And there may have been some issues, some tension. He was young, too young, some thought. And Paul says, Timothy, don't worry about that, their attitude towards you, rather set the example that you ought to be setting. And that way then you will be esteemed, like it's Paul says in other passages of Scripture. A faithful pastor is to be esteemed for two reasons. One, because he expounds God's word. And two, because he provides an example for God's people to follow. He teaches, he is faithful to, and he submits to the Scripture. And he seeks to apply Scripture to his life and to live consistently with it, to the best of his ability to provide an example for him, for people to follow. Charlie, your walk with Jesus is the basis of your work for Jesus. It's true for him, true for me, true for all of us. The basis of us being active and serving the Lord is our walk with him. Our relation, it's the first and greatest commandment. Love God. First we have to 
be something in relationship with God before we can do something. So for Charlie Harrison, it is required of him that he loves God first, above all else. Then secondly, for him to love his wife, Elena, above all others. Then Rebecca and Elise. And then whatever else goes in there, whether it's family or close friends, people who are close to him. And then comes his commitment to the church. Jesus first. Wife, the most important person in his life. And then his children. And we are after that. We need to hold him accountable that he make sure he does that. Don't let him make the mistake as others have of sacrificing relationship with a wife or relationship at home with the kids in order because he's so active in ministry here. Hold him accountable. Smack him. If he doesn't. Ask Elena, is he spending enough time at home? And Elena, dob on him. If he's not, say so. He's going to have to be out at night. But he's not to be out every night. He's going to be busy on Sundays, but he also has a day off during the week. Make sure he keeps it. I'll ask you. I'll certainly ask him. Here is Timothy, this young man. The Apostle Paul says to him, Timothy, watch your life, and then secondly, get stuck into the Scriptures and teach it and preach it and submit to it. There's nothing I'm going to say this morning that we haven't heard before, and I don't think there's anything fresh or new that I'll say that Charlie hasn't heard before. That's not the point. The point is these are truths and they're very important principles that we need to be reminded of and to check ourselves with and to make sure this is true for me. Is this what I'm doing in my life? For pastors, outside every other profession that I can think of, and maybe you could think of one, I haven't been able to just yet, for pastors, there is a direct relationship between private life and public life, a direct connection. One impacts the other. That's not true for any other profession. You could be a doctor, and it doesn't matter what you like in private, but professionally, you can be a brilliant doctor. Your private life will not be affecting your public life. But for the pastor, who you are, in private, at home, when you're alone, will directly impact your public ministry. Therefore, Paul instructs Timothy, watch your life very carefully. Be an example to God's people. You've got to walk the walk before you talk the talk. For Charlie, for pastors, for Bible teachers, you need to walk the walk because... You talk the talk. James is very clear, in fact, very uncomfortably, but we, those of us who teach God's word, not many of you should presume to be teachers, brothers and sisters, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, then that person is absolutely perfect, 
able to keep his whole body in check. It's a big responsibility. But let's hurry up a little bit. There's a man by the name of Will Horton who was a pastor back in the 40s, 50s in the United States, New York City. He was a well-known man in the city. And in fact, he later on became the president of Moody Bible Institute, which you may have heard of. There was a man in the city of New York, an agnostic, whose life wasn't going well and who became suicidal. In the providence of God, he decided, if I could find a minister, a pastor, who was fair income, who was genuine, who lived the life, who practiced what he preached, then I'd listen to him. This was his last effort before he was going to take his own life. And because Will Horton, William Horton, was a very well-known figure and a pastor, this man chose him. A man of means, he hired a private investigator. He had the investigator examine William Horton's life, followed him around, did his investigation, observed him in public and in private, wrote a report. And the report was a good report. The report basically said that William Horton was a man who was consistent, that what he does in public, what he says in public, is what he practices in private. It's an interesting thought, isn't it? What would happen if somebody followed you around? What if somebody followed you around? What if someone checked your emails, your internet usage, your TV programs? What if people spoke to your neighbours? The report was positive, so the man went to the church, sat under the ministry of William Horton, listened to him over the process of a pretty short time, learnt about Jesus, learnt the gospel, and eventually became a Christian. He agreed and he accepted Christ. Later on in his life, he in fact, still respecting William Horton, sent his daughter to Moody Bible Institute. You need to provide an example as a pastor to God's people, as a God's person to the world. Jesus in us, living it out. None of us do it perfectly. We're all on the journey. We're all trying to get better. We all need to improve. We all agree. Somebody said, and it's a brilliant quote, an exemplary life is a powerful tool in God's hands. It awakens spiritual openness in those who observe us and it gives power to our words of witness. An exemplary life is a powerful tool in God's hands. Well, the Apostle Paul says to Timothy in this passage, don't let anyone look down on you, verse 12, because you are young, but how do you address that issue? Well, set the believers an example in five areas, in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. Let's take a quick look at each one of those. In speech, the pastor has to watch the words that come out of his mouth. Shepherds use their tongue a lot, both teaching God's word, teaching it in groups, speaking about it, but also in private conversations and counselling people. And as James says to us, we all sin with our tongues. It has the greatest potential for good and it's also got the greatest potential for bad. And we all slip up. Some of us more so than others. 
But Paul doesn't expand what he means here, so you need to go somewhere else in the scriptures to other writings of Paul or in the letter to Timothy, where, just to remind you quickly, Paul says things like, don't, let, don't be quarrelsome. Don't pick verbal fights with people. Don't be argumentative. Lay aside falsehood. Speak the truth in love to one another. Let no unwholesome words come out of your mouth, but only what is going to build others up. Be gracious in your speech. Be positive and affirming. There are many people, aren't there, in the world who are just negative and complaining and they gossip and they run down. They're not happy unless they're complaining. Don't be like that. And if that's your predisposition, then there's an area for you to work on and to become an example in speech. Conduct, Paul says, your lifestyle, the things you do. As a follower of the Lord Jesus, we are called to be holy. Pastors especially are to set the example. Not that we're the best at it, but it is our responsibility publicly and privately to be endeavouring to set that example. As believers, we're to pursue God, to know him better and to become more like him. Our conduct at work, at play, at home, on the road, in shops, the way you treat others who are serving you, being an example, a Christ follower. I do pretty well in most of those. But there are times in all of those where I stumble, where I get it wrong. There have been times at play when I've become very competitive, more competitive than I should have. There are times at home when I haven't done what I should have. You can ask Rhonda for details later. Oh, well, you can ask, she won't tell you. Will you? On the road, I try very, very hard. I am better than I was. But there are times when I hope you're not driving behind me. There are idiots on the road. And I have a gift for finding them. I'm not alone, am I? But I am better. I deliberately sold my VW. and bought a Corolla. Corolla's a nice car. But you can't go real fast in it. Which helps me. I had far too many speeding fines in the VW. And as a member of the management team once said to me, well, as, you get, as long as you pay the speeding fines, I said, that's the wrong thing to say. You should be saying you shouldn't be getting the speeding fines in the first place. Yeah, I shouldn't, but I have. And I am so glad that I'm getting better. But like I said, I'm not perfect. It's something we need to work on. 1 Peter 2.12 says, Live such good lives among unbelievers that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your good deeds and glorify God. Consistent lifestyle. 
reflecting the life of Jesus at home. Here's a remarkable verse. We've read it before. Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husband so that if any of them don't believe the word... So, ladies, this passage is saying, if you're married to a person who's not a follower of Jesus, submit to them so that they may be won over without words by the behaviour of their wives. That's that word, the conduct of their lives. When they see the purity and the reverence of your lives, it's possible to impact others by our lifestyle. It's an incredible verse, isn't it? It's not the only responsibility we have, but it's certainly a responsibility. Conduct. So speech, conduct, then because Paul says love. It's to be a conspicuous part of the shepherd's life. To set an example of loving people. To love the difficult, to love the unattractive, to love those who oppose you, to love those who speak badly of you, to love those whom others, maybe even yourself, can't stand. Each and every one to provide a loving example. It's a decision. It's not an emotion. And because it's not an emotion, it's also not clinical and cold. Though it may begin that way because it's an obedient decision, but invariably you will find your emotions will come with your decisions. It's not natural. It's spirit-given. Set the believers an example. The way you speak the way you conduct your life, your lifestyle, in your relationships and loving attitudes towards all people, not just the ones that like you and not just your friends and not just the ones that you like uh, to all, to be loving, considerate. Set the, example, the believers an example in faith. That's how it's translated and the word certainly means faith. But in certain contexts, and quite possibly in this context, it should be translated faithful. So to be able to believe as an example in being a faithful person, someone who's reliable and loyal. But as most English translators assume, and uh, translators understand it to be faith, not faithfulness, then it's provided an example of growing in your knowledge of the faith. Knowing scripture knowing the truth developing your understanding of it and applying it to your life not just knowing it certainly that but also applying it and living it out paul could also mean to young timothy to provide an example of someone who has faith they demonstrate the reality of faith of great trust in a great god have an attitude which is reliant upon him. You are a person of faith, someone who trusts the God for whom nothing is impossible. Watch what you say, watch what you do, watch how you relate to people. Make sure you provide an example that you are a faith-driven person, trusting in God, knowing the truth, being faithful. And purity, holiness. That which you are when Jesus died on the cross and declares your spirit to be now perfect cleansed of all sin is to impact our life from the inside out the process of sanctification that we are being made more and more like the lord jesus so mr harrison you're married you are to be totally and uncompromisingly loyal to elena and i know you are 
and I know you do this well as well, your behaviour with other women, with people of the opposite sex, is to be above reproach and respectful. So too for us. Purity of life begins here in the mind, what you think about. A seminary professor came into the classroom one day, went to the whiteboard, drew a white line down the middle of the whiteboard and on one side of the whiteboard wrote these words, your marriage, your children, your ministry, your reputation, your possessions, your hopes and dreams. And on this side of the board, he wrote 30 minutes of pleasure. And then he turned to the class of seminary, of pastors being in training and he said to them Satan has a trade that he wants to make with you and you put it like that it's easy isn't it and yet this is one of those areas that is happening hundreds of times where pastors are trading all of that for that and there's articles written and none of us are immune from it We're all exposed to it. But because pastors are leaders, they are also targets, especially, of it. They're not alone. They're not unique. But they are targeted. So be on guard. The research that has come out over pastors that have done the trade, have fallen, lost marriages, lost their reputation, lost their ministry is there are some consistent patterns that happen for them. Check yourself against this. Of these several hundred pastors who were interviewed, they didn't do four things. They had stopped having daily time alone with God, no longer having a quiet time, no longer reading the scriptures, no longer spending time praying and journaling and spending time listening to Jesus, weren't doing it. Is that in place for you? Secondly, they were not in an accountability group. They had no one who would be speaking truth into their life. No one who would say the hard things to them. No one who would correct them. No accountability group. All of them had the attitude, this would never happen to me. And therefore they made decisions on repeated occasions where they put themselves in vulnerable situations where they were treating somebody, counselling somebody of the opposite sex and being careless in it. And thirdly, fourthly, they all confessed, they all shared that it all began in the mind, that they had drifted in their relationship with their spouse. They started fantasising and dreaming and looking forward to spending time with this particular person they were in ministry with. They did the trade. Make sure those things are in place in your life. Provide the believers an example. And for believers to provide the world an example in speech, conduct, love, faith, purity. As Christians looked, the Ephesians church looked at Timothy, they would have seen not only that he was a young guy, not only that he was a passionate follower of Jesus, but they would have seen someone with feet of claim just like I have, just like Charlie has, 
just like we all have. That's the implication of the word progress in verse um, 15. That we're not where we ought to be just yet. We are growing, we are developing, we are moving towards something. And the Apostle Paul outlines for us here how we are to do that. Timothy was a sinner. So was Charlie. So am I. So are we. We are not perfect. We struggle. There will be times when we fall. This passage is not saying that we'll get it right 100% of the time, but it's saying which way are our feet pointed? Is this the goal and the direction of our life that we're heading in? Proverbs 24:16 says that the righteous, even if they fall seven times, they get up. It's not uncommon for the righteous to fall. It is uncommon for the righteous not to get up, not to recommit, confess, repent and move forward again. If a picture is worth a thousand words, then an example is worth a thousand pictures. Let me hasten. Paul says to Timothy, pay close attention not only to yourself, set the example, but pay close attention to the scriptures, to your teaching. Note the emphasis all the way through this passage. Command and teach these things. Verse 13, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Devote yourself. Verse 15, give attention to these matters. Immerse yourself in them. Keep a close watch on. You need to spend time. You need to devote time. You need to be a student of God's word. And Charlie, as you teach, and as I have heard you teach, I know you do, there is an emphasis of authority in teaching, preaching. Not in the person, but in the scriptures. We come under their authority. The Bible says these are God's commands, God's directives, God's instructions for us. They're not helpful hints to have a happy life. Uh, God's directions to us. So for Charlie, for the pastoral team and the pastors of Sunnybank District Baptist Church, for the people, the members of Sunnybank, be an example. Watch your life. Be a student of the word. Expound it. Teach it. And examine your life carefully and thoroughly. I'll finish by simply telling you this story of a, a dad whose name was Stan, Stan Makeda. Apparently, he was a professional hockey player, the United States National League. In the hockey, if you've seen the ice hockey games, they like to get into a lot of scuffles. Well, this guy did particularly. He liked to get into lots of fights during the games and he ended up spending a lot of time on the sidelines in the penalty box. His daughter, who was then eight, said to her dad one day, how can you score a goal, daddy, if you're in the penalty box all the time? Where are the mouths of babes, eh? So if we rephrase the question just a little bit, how can we work for the Lord effectively if our life is not consistent with our profession? If you've trusted in the Lord Jesus, then you're on his team. You're in the ministry. He's called you to serve him, just as he has called Charlie and Elena and the family here. You're responsible like they are, like I am, before God for that ministry. Pay attention. 
to how you live. Set an example. And pay attention to the word of God, to the scriptures. Make sure you're reading and obedient to it. And may God bless you and use you through all of that. I'm going to pray and the worship team will come and we'll finish. Let's pray together. Once again, Lord, we bow in your presence, acknowledging that Jesus is the head of the church, that he is the chief shepherd, that he is the one who directs our steps and makes appointments. Here we are, Lord, and we want to simply make ourselves available to you, fully surrendered to you. Could you help us both to examine our lives, our speech, our lifestyle, our relationships, our faith and faithfulness, and our purity. Forgive us for where we fall short. Strengthen us, Lord, and motivate us to get up again and to move forward in following Jesus. Open to us your word and make us passionate in being Bible readers, Bible teachers, and Bible livers. Help your truth to shape our lives that we might reflect you, Lord Jesus. We especially pray this, not just for ourselves, but we pray it especially this morning for our new pastor, for Charlie, for Elena, and for Rebecca and Elise. Bless them. Grow them and use them in our midst we pray in your name lord jesus everybody said